What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm. I'm joined today by Chris Grenham. Grenham, how you doing, man? Pretty good. We're not talking Mac Jones. We're talking basketball, of course. Talking hoops. Today, we are going to break down the Celtics depth chart. We're going to do this over the course of two episodes. So today, we're talking about the guard position because I think that is probably where the most intrigue lies, like just how these guys might shake out how the Celtics might position themselves, you know, whether they want to go big, whether they want to go small, how that impacts everybody on the roster. So we're going to get into a lot of that stuff. And then on our next episode, breaking down the depth chart, we're going to talk forwards, wings, and bigs, all kind of in one discussion, because I think there's going to be some fluidity between those positions. And also, you know, there probably just isn't enough to talk about on the wing discussion, because it's going to be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. Not a whole lot of, of mystery there, but for today, we're going to talk about guards. And before we do that, we don't have a draft today but we do want to shout out our friends over at the Shades On Beer Company. So, Granum, you recently were at a get-together where people really enjoyed Shades On, if I remember correctly. I was. Shades On Beer Company products were a hit with some of my friends this weekend. So, obviously, as Geno Time listeners know, Shades On Beer Company, they're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. They have their Shades On Beer Garden and Tasting Room down in West Kingston, Rhode Island, which we highly recommend checking out. We had some Aunt Carrie's, Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check, and Geno Time, and those were all big hits with my friends. So my friends give Shades on Beer Company a giant thumbs up and we think you guys will too. So go support our friends at the Shades on Beer Company. Absolutely. And so I think for starters, we both agree who the Celtics starting point guard will be. You know, we can have some mild debate over whether or not that, you know, point guard is the right term, but I think that's pretty clear. So Granham, why don't you tell us who you think the starting Celtics point guard is going to be? Yeah, I think we probably both agree it's going to be Marcus Smart, at least to start the season. Ime Udoka has indicated, at least in his you know few media availabilities that we've gotten so far this offseason, that he wants to put the ball in Marcus Smart's hands more. And for the time being, I think that makes sense because he's you know he's played with the majority of this lineup before, and having him as that lead ball handler makes sense. Smart's a good distributor. If he can kind of maybe tear back his shot volume a little bit and be that true lead ball handler, I think things could go quite well. So it'll be interesting to see him with the ball in his hands more but I think it makes sense to have him be the starting point guard to begin the year. I think that is what's going to happen. The question becomes who's next to him. And obviously we'll get to that, but I'm assuming you also think Marcus Smart is going to be starting point guard. I do. And I, I did want to just point out that I think this idea that smart is just like chucking shots at random is a little overblown. I know it we've is. talked about it on the pod before. Like he averaged about 11 shots a game last year. That's not that many for a guy who's, you know, supposedly just like jacking shots left and right. Like he takes some questionable ones at times but I mean I think usually it's like a feel thing right like he's made a Mm -hmm. shot and he's feeling good so hey let me let me let me hoist this one too or it's a matter of who else is going to shoot to paraphrase Paul Pierce, you know, ripping Jerry Welsh, like if everybody's injured, it might as well be smart. I think that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, if you look at his usage percentage last year, it was 18.4. Like it really wasn't, I mean, for a ball handler, it was not that high. Yes, sometimes his shot selection is is questionable, but this idea that he is going to like derail the Celtics offense and derail the team, that always seems ridiculous to me. I think he will be perfectly fine in that lead ball handler role. And I think, not for nothing, I think Udoka is smart to put him there because if you do that and you give Smart a really defined, you're going to have the ball and also you're going to be passing the ball. Like we want you to be handling and we want you to be distributing. That kind of gives him that job of like, okay, pass a lot, but like we want you to be sort of directing things. I think that's going to work out very well for the Celtics this season. I think he would take it on very personally almost to succeed in that role. He's talked about how important taking on that starting job is to him in the past and how sometimes it's bothered him in the past 
he hasn't had a defined starting role even though he has such an important role with this team over the last couple of years. So personally for him, I think it's going to be an important thing to kind of succeed in that role. On Smart being a chucker, I think he gained that reputation early in his career and it just kind of stuck with him, even as he improved. Like he's a significantly better shooter now than he was when he came into the league. But for whatever reason, he has the reputation of the chucker who's actually not a very good shooter. But you're right, his usage, usage isn't all that high. Like it's not wildly out of bounds, the shooting production that he's put up in the last couple of years. And also, this is additionally to kind of what you said, who else was going to score on last year's team, especially amid all those COVID absences? There were portions where he was the second best scorer on the team. Like they, there was various stretches last year where they had no one to score the basketball. Of course, he was going to shoot more on last year's team. There was a lot of injuries. But yeah, I think he's going to fit into that role pretty nicely. And I think having a defined role for someone like Marcus Smart, who oftentimes tries to do a little bit of everything, I think it's kind of good that they can just have him put the blinders on, be that lead ball handler and be the distributor that he's shown the ability to, you know, he can do that. He's pretty good as a distributor. So I think it makes sense to start him as the starting point guard. I don't really see any other kind of setup happening as we start the season in October. I, I don't think Dennis Schroeder is good enough to start as a the lead ball handler on a winning team, but uh, I don't know how he's going to like coming off the bench if he's off the bench. So that could take us into the two guard conversation later on, but smart starting point guard. Yeah. So to your point about smart, you know, last season and, and who else was going to shoot nine times last season, Marcus Smart took 15 field goal attempts or more. And 15 is a lot in seven of those games. One of Jalen or Jason was out. Right. So he only took 15 or more twice with those other guys on the floor. You know, the first time he was eight for 15 and he made seven of 10 three pointers. Great. <laughs> like keep shooting, dude. And then the other time, yeah, he was a little off. So realistically, if you go through the nine times that he took 15 shots or more, well, there was one time that he was just just hoisting. And again, both of us would say that there are times where Smart's shot selection is a little bit questionable. The larger point, and I think the point I'm trying to make here that fits into that, is that it is a lot more situational than, than I think most people think. All that aside, yes, Marcus Smart, I believe, is the, the starting point guard. So then, yeah, you get into the second the second unit there. And, and like you said, you know, I think certainly on, on this Celtics team, if this Celtics team was going to try to make a run to the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that, having Schroeder as your starting point guard, you know, probably not ideal. Like Anthony Davis, LeBron James, sure, they can get away with it, where LeBron is basically the starting point guard. But, you know, Schroeder, probably not there. However, I think there is a case to be made for Schroeder. I, I think he works best as the second point guard rather than, you know, having him start alongside Smart. You know, mm-hmm. I think ha- having him as like the second unit guy, the guy who plays with the bench, the guy who scores with the bench, the guy who collapses the defense maybe with some of the starters to spell Smart, you know, some rest. That to me makes the most sense for him, especially, you know, I mean, we don't know what we will get from him defensively. You know, we don't know what we'll see, you know, in, in those terms. So to me, I think Schroeder makes the most sense as the secondary point guard where his role is pretty defined you know come in score get to the basket you know scoot around and and kind of be that that smaller point guard who can operate you know and get into the paint as opposed to a guy who is trying to generate offense for everybody else in the way that smart will probably be assigned to do yeah I think having Schroeder as your second unit point guard is a pretty luxurious position to be in, right? He's in that weird position where you don't really want him being your lead ball handler with your starting lineup. But if you can have him with your second unit, you're in a really good place. You're in a much better place than a lot of other second units around the league. So I think that's a really solid setup. 
will he want to swallow his pride and operate like that? Who knows? I mean, I, I'm not really sure how he's going to take on that role. You know, like we know Marcus Smart will love taking on the starting lead ball handler role, and he's going to welcome that with open arms. I'm not quite sure how Dennis Schroeder is going to react to potentially being, you know, the leader of the second unit, but we'll see. The question with the second unit for me really becomes, do you run Pritchard often alongside Schroeder as that, as that shooter next to him? Because Schroeder's not the best shooter. That's kind of hard to say. Say that three times fast. He can obviously get into the teeth of a defense, but Pritchard showed the ability at Summer League to really extend that range, and that could be an intriguing smaller lineup if you run Pritchard next to Schroeder. I expect Pritchard to have an ex- ex- like expanded role, I would say, but I don't know. Do you see a scenario where Schroeder's running the second unit and Pritchard could kind of get squeezed out a little bit. I could see that happening or vice versa, quite honestly. Right. Yeah, Pritchard's, you know, good. Uh, yeah. But I, I think what that's going to come down to is it kind of depends whether the Celtics want to go bigger or smaller. Because if the Celtics want to go bigger, they want to have Marcus Smart. Jalen Brown can absolutely play the two. And honestly, I mean, when he's there, he is tough because he is so good at those mid-range shots. He's so good at those kind of mid-post shots. The Celtics prefer to, to drag him out to the three-point line, or you know, at least they did last year. I guess we have a completely new coaching staff to analyze here, so I have no idea what to uh, what to expect from Ime Udoka. But I'm sure there were analytics that, that showed the Celtics that Jalen shooting threes was always going to be better than him. But he was really good in yeah. those in, in those mid-range opportunities. And I wonder if you know putting him as the two kind of gives him that opportunity to dominate against smaller guards as opposed to you know trying to operate as a wing he can certainly do both and obviously there's a lot of crossover between like a two and a wing anyway so I guess the larger point is if Jalen is like the two and then if the Celtics go Tatum and I don't know like I mean Horford Rob would be a weird one but like double big there or you know even if it's like Neesmith and then a big or whatever you know something where you're going a little bit bigger in the starting unit then it is going to get really crowded at those guard positions I think certainly there would be some opportunity for Pritchard to slide over to the two in some lineups, you know, or, or or be the one with a guard playing the other two where he's just kind of spacing the floor. But I do think that there is the potential for some of these guards to get a little bit squeezed. You know, I'll be curious to see how that goes because I think the Celtics do see some stuff in Pritchard that they really like. And, you know, to your point about Schroeder swallowing his pride, it's not just about his pride. It's also about the fact that he's trying to earn some money next season. Like he's on a one-year deal. He specifically took a very cheap one-year deal with the Celtics, you know, kind of, I think from his perspective to try to rebuild his value a little bit. I'll be curious to see how that goes because yeah, this is a really important season for Schroeder individually. Like that will be a really interesting wrinkle, I think. Yeah, this also further shows this little mini discussion shows how little minutes there were for guys like Chris Dunn, Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, the guys who were sticking around Around in that backcourt, it was crowded. That further confirms that that was a good kind of move to shake up the bottom of this guard depth chart. But yeah, there's a variety of ways they could go in terms of shaking up this backcourt. And I think it's a luxurious spot to be. There's a decent amount of versatility where you now have the added versatility in the front court with a guy like Horford that you didn't have. So that kind of opens up other things yeah. because the intriguing combo of maybe an a Rob Al double big lineup. That would be very interesting to me. The trickle down effect. Certainly more interesting than Daniel Tice, Tristan Thompson was far, (laughs) far more intriguing, far more versatile. Like the double big lineup of Tristan and Tice is so limited compared to the double big lineup of Al Horford and Rob Williams. It's not even (laughs) comparable in my mind, but what you talked about with the trickle down effect and how that impacts the rest of the lineup, do you throw, you know, Jalen at the two to kind of let him operate in that mid range area which is 
an area he's had a lot of success in. That makes a lot of sense if you're playing against a really big team and you want to go big or you're trying to take advantage of a couple matchups and you want to run big. Like that's something they could do. And Jalen has shown the ability to be comfortable with. It's just a question of how often they want to do that and how that would impact the backcourt. If they don't do that, because I think more often than not, Jalen's going to be in that three-ish spot or a four spot or whatever him. And sometimes it feels like him and Tatum are kind of interchangeable yeah. in that three, four area by design. Right. I mean, the Celtics love right. that versatility. Like, yes, yeah, like, yeah, they don't really want those guys to be defined sometimes. I think exactly. So that that's a huge benefit going into this season as it has been in years past too. But I kind of see it being smart and Richardson as the one, two, in the starting lineup, at least to start the year, that is a really, really solid defensive backcourt. And then obviously kind of what we expect with the rest of the lineup would seem to fall into place if you have Smart and Richardson as your starting backcourt. I see that as probably the most likely. If I was a gambler, I probably would take a, or and if there was a way to bet on Celtics depth charts. You know, you're in a was, dark place if you're gambling on depth chart projections. Correct. However, if I was in a dark place, I think I would probably take a shot at like something like Smart and Pritchard, just because I think that's kind of the dark horse one to me, where right. you have the floor spacing and that opens up some of that guard depth for you. You know, like that gives you mm-hmm. gives you an opportunity to use some more of these guys a little bit. I just I just want to see like if Pritchard is just shooting super deep threes, I want to see what he looks like with Tatum and Jalen like that interests me a lot however I think the most likely is like you said Smart and Richardson and if that is the starting lineup it makes Richardson so interestingly important to this team because if Richardson is Miami Josh Richardson then the Celtics are really really good like Smart Miami Josh Richardson Jalen and Tatum insert whichever one of the two bigs is healthy or you know is 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 in that is a tough starting unit with some really interesting guard depth behind them. That's a good group. You know, if Richardson is Philly, Josh Richardson, all of a sudden the Celtics don't have any floor spacing around Jalen and Jason. Like Jalen, at that point, Jalen and Jason are both the offense creators and the spacing. And that's much less tough to deal with. So I just think that is probably the most likely and also maybe the most interesting in terms of like how Josh Richardson, you know, the guy who the Celtics got for almost literally nothing, like apologies to Moses Brown, but like for almost literally nothing, how much he could swing this Celtics season. Obviously the Celtics have bigger plans than this season. So like, you know, whatever they have down the road is, is clearly their larger plan. But for this year and for how good this team can be, so much of it swings on how good is Josh Richardson going to be? And if he's if he's starting, like, yeah, who who is he? Yeah, which, which version of him will he be? 100%. He's the focal point in terms of, not the focal point of the offense by any means, but the focal point right. of which direction is this team going to go? Because we've talked about how the offensive depth or lack thereof concerns us going into the season with this roster. If he's Miami, Josh Richardson, and he's shooting, you know, a little more confidently from three, I think he was like 36, 37, maybe 38% in some of those Miami years from three in like four-ish attempts a game, maybe more. That would be really ideal to have next to Marcus Smart. And it would just open up a world of, you know, additional spacing that right now you don't really have with that lineup. So if you can get that additional spacing by having Richardson fall back into that Miami form, that would be huge. And maybe he can, because I think he's not being asked to do a lot of the things he was being asked to do in Philly and in Dallas, where it seemed like he was expected to be someone that he really was not. Like they were putting him into these roles where he was like this interchangeable guy who was supposed to bring these very odd starting lineups together. Like Dallas could score a ton of points, 
but they were putting him in a very odd role. And in Philly, it was just an impossible situation to be like, you need to be an incredible shooter because we don't have anyone else to shoot. So I think his role could fit his style a little bit better with this lineup. He still needs to pick up his his shooting if he does kind of want to really bring this whole starting lineup together. I still think it makes the most sense to have him next to Marcus Smart. Like we said before, in terms of Ime Odoka loving having a defensive centric lineup, like that's perfect. That's a really, really tough backcourt to go up against no matter who you are. On your initial point about having Pritchard and Smart be the dark horse, like I agree, I don't really foresee that happening, but it's super intriguing because what we talked about when we were doing some of those summer league discussions where you have Pritchard being that shooter who can really space the floor and extend defense out because of his range, you put him next to a guy like Marcus Smart, who's that incredible defender and kind of energizer and lead ball handler. That's a really intriguing combination. That's what they tried to do in Atlanta with Chris Dunn and and Trey Young, where Chris Dunn played three games for him, so it never worked out. But you have that defensive lead ball handler next to a guy who can shoot the lights out like Peyton Pritchard. That's very intriguing. I don't know if you know this, Peyton Pritchard isn't Trey Young, but it's still like the similar combination where it's very intriguing. And I think it could be it could be a lot of fun. So I like that as like a dark horse fun, intriguing backcourt that I have a feeling just over the course of the season, we'll get to see plenty of times. Yeah, it's funny because, yes, he's not Trey Young, but the good news for the Celtics is that he doesn't have to be Trey Young. Right. He can just be a shooter. They have they have good players. Pritchard doesn't have to be the superstar here. So, yeah, Jason Tatum uh, and Jalen Brown, they're pretty good at scoring. So <laughs> Yeah, like, but they're pretty good at scoring, and think how much easier scoring would be for them if they had that one-two punch. Right. Pritchard tries defensively. Like, he does, you know, he works hard. Like, there's no question about that. Mm-hmm. He's not a great defender. Uh, he's You know, he's real small. But Smart, not only is he a great defender, like what makes him a great defender is that he's really good at guarding a bunch of different positions. And he's really good at helping. He's really good at at like team positional defense. So yeah, I mean, I think the Celtics, everybody was just kind of confounded every time a star guard last season just lit the Celtics on fire. Part of the problem was that one, the Celtics did not have like team wide. They were not, you know, on a string the way they have often been in previous years. But also, yeah, let's say you throw smart at Bradley Beal. He might struggle a little bit because as a one-on-one defender, that's not how he thrives against yeah. like quick guards. Like, And I'm not saying Pritchard will, but I would not be surprised if smart is better as sort of like a helping guy and as somebody who can kind of shift over or whatever it might be. And he did have a down year defensively last year too. He wasn't as good yeah. as in previous years. But I do think that, you know, having him as more of like a guy who can not free safety, but who can kind of like direct things a little bit more and who can kind of, you know, help out. That feels like more his role to me uh, yeah. and much more what he's suited for. I think free safety is kind of a good term. He's that help defender who knows, like his awareness is so good off the ball yeah. as an off ball defender where he's, just a really, really good help defender who seems to be at the right place at the right time more often than not. The reason I balk at free safety a little bit is because I think usually when people use that term, they're talking about putting, you know, somebody on, you know, like putting like guarding Tony Allen with him, right? you know, so that then he can guard anybody else because who needs to guard Tony Allen? I don't think that's quite what they're going to do, but I do think, yeah, having him kind of, you know, elements of the free safety role, certainly I could see that happening for sure. The other thing about the smart Pritchard lineup is that that combo could become so much more important if Pritchard does show the ability to be that shooter in a regular season game. Like he, again, it's hard to compare summer league, but this team needs shooting. 
they don't have a lot of shooting in their backcourt right now as it stands. That's why a guy like Josh Richardson improving is so important. If you can have a guy like Pritchard step up, he's going to have to play minutes. They're going to have to find minutes for him because this roster does not have a whole lot of shooting, especially in the backcourt. The one guy we haven't talked about at all, and I think he's really interesting with this group, is Romeo Langford. I don't know how Ime Udoka will see him, and I don't know that Summer League necessarily provided much encouragement for me with Romeo. Like, I did not feel amazing about his Summer League performance. Now, that said, the Celtics have always seen him as a pick-and-roll guy. You know, Danny Ainge has been scouting him since he was in high school. Like, he knows that Romeo's best thing is as a slasher, right? He's really good at getting to the rim. He was always really good at drawing fouls and at just, you know, creating contact around the rim and finishing through contact. And he's never had a chance to do that at the NBA level. And I think part of the problem is that, you know, physically he's not, you know, overwhelming anymore. You know, at the high school level, he was always overwhelming. Even at the college level, the way that he played at Indiana, he was kind of overwhelming for teams because yeah, like he was handling the ball and he was doing a bunch of different things. A lot of the time he isn't doing that in the NBA and you know, they've been kind of trying to turn him into a three and D guy, but he's not a good shooter. You know, we'll see if that changes at all, but you know, I don't have a ton of confidence in his shot defensively he's been better than we thought but he's not good enough to just be like a defensive ace who's going to get himself on the floor that way so it's interesting because I don't know whether to put him with the guards or with the wings I don't know where do you see him fitting in with this crew do you see any chance of him stealing some minutes here maybe especially if the Celtics go big or 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 do we just kind of see him as like you know maybe a third string wing yeah I think I see him as that third string back of the rotation like hybrid two three guy right I don't really I'm with you I don't really know whether to stick him as a two stick him as a three because there hasn't been that defined role for him and he's such a confusing guy to try and pin down because like you said at Indiana and in New Albany in high school he was this wildly like quick explosive slasher who like a lot of guys his size at that level kind of used his athleticism just to kind of dominate. Obviously you can't do that at the next level. It wasn't just his size. It was also the fact that his size and that he was a guard that that you couldn't pigeonhole him into being like a center, you know, like what'll happen to a lot of like six foot six guys at the high school level. Cause he was just so clearly good at handling the ball. But at this level, neither his skill set nor his size have been, you know, so overwhelming that he can continue to do that, I guess. Right. Yeah. He was, he had such a nice, like, physical profile of that ISO scorer who could just, like, he was bigger than a lot of the guys who was guarding him. So he just overwhelmed them a lot of the time at those levels. So I don't really see him at this point stealing a whole lot of minutes on this roster. And again, if guys go down, he's a nice guy to have toward the back of that rotation because he brings about some pretty nice defensive versatility. And he showed in years past to be able to step up. I think it was his. Was it his second year where he was playing some pretty big minutes on that West Coast trip defensively? Like, he was pretty good. And I think Emo Doka will like that. And he'll see that. But they've tried at points during summer league, at points during preseason games, to get him to act as a ball handler in a pick and roll type situation. And it always seems a little forced. He doesn't necessarily seem all that comfortable, really. And he doesn't seem all that comfortable as a shooter either right now. So he's just kind of a weird tweener. And I think that's okay to have at the back of your rotation, but I really, I think that's all he's going to be on this roster, at least as it stands right now, where he could fall into that two spot, fall into that three spot. But regardless, he's at the back of the rotation. I don't really see him being in a spot where he can steal minutes from, even from a guy like Aaron Neesmith. Like, I don't think he's going to steal minutes from anyone. Yeah. And we'll get into this uh, when we do our bigs discussion, but I don't think he's going to be the only 
tweener drafted in 2019 who finds himself at the back of the rotation. Yes, <laughs> I would wholeheartedly agree with that. But yeah, I think I agree. And I think one of the biggest things and, and maybe, you know, kind of the maybe the thing we can close on here is I think the biggest problem for Romeo is that the Celtics don't really need defense right? Like this is yeah. going to be a good defensive team. And if that's the thing that he's shown, like, yeah, Ime Udoka might, you know, like his defense or he might, you know, see some potential there defensively, but also the Celtics have veterans now. Like Josh Richardson is probably going to be a much better defender than Romeo Langford. Even if Romeo Langford shows flashes, Josh Richardson has just been a pro for a while. Who's going to show more consistent defense? The guy who's been a pro for a while or the guy who just played like his first summer league this year. Some of this stuff isn't Romeo's fault. Some of it is just a matter of like a lot of bad injury luck in the first couple of years of his career. But like, it is going to be hard for him to break into this rotation. Cause I think, you know, we're discussing him here at the end of the guard discussion when we get to the wings. I mean, I think the bulk of the conversation is going to be around, you know, Jalen, Jason and Neesmith. It fills up quickly. This is why it made a lot of sense to trade Carson Edwards, to trade Chris Dunn, to get some of these guys off because there is not going to be a lot of room for any of these back of the rotation guys, you know, especially at the guard position. All right, guys. Well, we I think we can leave it there. As always, we appreciate everybody who listens. We appreciate everybody who's left us a rating or a review. You know, next episode, we'll get into some of these other positions. But for the time being, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. And we will talk to you all again later this week.